0: Thanks for listening to the Latin America M&A Policy Wrap podcasting from our studio in São Paulo, the Brazilian land of drizzle. I'm Thiago Barroso, Latin America editor for Merger Market, and today we have Stephen Marks, managing partner of Merger, to discuss M&A opportunities in Latin America. If you like our show and want to know more, subscribe to Merger Market and follow us on social media. Enjoy the show. So, Stephen, I truly believe that. Uh... The best person to speak about magic is the magician himself, so why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got engaged into the Day world and how you participate in such an environment. Well thank you and I'll take that as a compliment. Um,
1: <laughs> I was in, for years I was actually working more as, a, as an entrepreneur in, in different businesses, media companies, real estate, predominantly family offices, United States, central United States. And the appeal for cross-border has always been um, of interest to me because of the culture and because of the people. The people are, are just fascinating to me. And, and I think that you look at the region of Latin America, um, we're here in Brazil right now, the Brazilians don't think of themselves as Latinos. That's and yet, it's still <laughs> the same region, and yeah. there's still some. There are similarities between personalities, but at the same time, the Brazilians are very different from the Mexicans. The Mex- Mexicans are very different from the Chileans. The Colombians are very unique in themselves, and so I've, I've always had an appeal to the, the the people and the culture. Pair that with the opportunities mm-hmm. that exist mm-hmm. in in, a, in emerging markets and emerging economies. That to me has always been of of not only interest, but a tangible ways to develop business opportunities that just do not exist in mature markets like the United
0: States. One of the biggest challenges for foreign investors uh, when it comes to investing in Latin America is to understand all uh, similarities, but also the peculiarities of each country. And last year, we have something to add to this, perhaps, complication that would be uh, the street riots, the bloody protests that we saw in Chile and Bolivia and in Venezuela. How would you say that uh, this political and social turmoil has affected the perception that U.S. investors have towards Latin America? Uh, would you say the region has become somehow too risky for U.S. investors?
1: Look at, at the three countries that, that you just mentioned. Venezuela has, has not been a focal point for... Uh, U.S. investors or foreign direct investors throughout the world for over six years. I'd also say Bolivia is is too small, and I think that there's been a, a perception around Bolivia that because of the socialist-style government, that it's not a very good destination for foreign direct investment. Chile has been. And I think the challenge now for... US investors, and, and I think for the, for the government of Chile, is to convince people that there is still stability there. Now, I view that, and I wrote an article about Chile recently where I was talking about this as being their income inequality protests are actually more similar to like the yellow vest mu- movement mm-hmm. in France, or like the Bernie Sanders movement in the United States. That these are mature markets in the US and France where there has been a backlash to those who are the elites at the, at the top. So if, if you look at it, Chile is, is, is more of a mature market. They're, they're not protesting the same things that Peru is protesting or Colombia or even here in Brazil, that the people, those are more basic necessities. Now, going back to the original point about risk, if my view of the United States is that the US is actually risky. The markets change on a tweet from the president. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been 1.3 trillion dollars in private equity investment that has that is sitting, that is waiting. 1.3. 1. 1. 1.3 trillion U.S. dollars in private equity investment, and why is that? Well, the reason why is that the valuations in the United States are so high. Mm-hmm. I speak to private equity investors who tell me sometimes they're battling, twenty different firms are fighting for that one deal. <laughs> What does that mean? That in itself is inherently risky. So risk could be applied, I think, in the United States just as it can be applied here in Latin America. The only difference is, is that there might be a little bit more political, social, economic risk in Latin America, but the returns are going to be higher. One question I had for you is that you know, there's this um, tendency for North American investors to look at the, the drama that, of the Brazilian politics and they use that as the basis of their risk profile for the country. Mm-hmm. Is that accurate? And, and are politics here
0: really impacting um, Brazil's growth? Well, I think that politics definitely something to take into account when it comes to devising risk profile, yeah. not only for Brazil, but for any Latin American country. Um, but speaking specifically about, about, about Brazil, where politicians are not only constantly changing the future of the nation, but also its past, you can't ignore how politics impacts growth. Uh, There's this quote of a former uh, minister of finance, uh, Brazilian minister of finance, Pedro Malam, and that says that in Brazil, even the past is uncertain. So that creates a lot of instability for those seeking a safe haven. At the same time, you know that the higher the risk, the higher the potential return. So, it, I think that it's crucial for investors to understand that Brazil and Latin America are known for having investment cycles with ups and downs. And getting to the heart of your question, I would say that today, the overall perception when you speak to Brazilian entrepreneurs, executives, investors, is that the current scenario is favorable for investment. And that's extremely positive for the country after so many years of recession, economic recession. And uh, I know that you're from Chicago, right? And it's worth reminding that uh, the Brazilian, the current Brazilian Minister of Finance, Paulo Guedes, is a Chicago boy. He actually went to the University of Chicago and had a class with Milton Friedman. So I think that that's something that the market has perceived as some value, right? We now have a more pro-market government. Uh, one thing that you said in your previous answer Stephen that caught my mind is that uh the trade war between the US and China right we have been following the trade standoff between both countries and uh, i'm curious to see how that has impacted on outbound investment from the US into Latin America would you say that there is any Latin American country that has perhaps benefited from the trade war because i had the opportunity to spoke to Uh, many sources last year who have pointed that uh, Colombia is one of the countries that has uh, benefited from that trade war, uh, not only because of the war, but also because it has managed to put together the most advanced public-private partnership infrastructure program in the region. Have you noticed an increase of, of U.S. investment or even interest in Colombia or any Latin American country on the back of the trade standoff between China and the U.S.? 100%
1: agree with that assumption. Colombia has benefited tremendously uh, from the trade dynamics between the U.S. and China and U.S. and Mexico. Why? The basis of NAFTA was really a, a manufacturing agreement. This was for auto manufacturers, textile manufacturers, electronics technology manufacturers. To be able to outsource their manufacturing into markets like China, Mexico, lower cost of labor, and then deliver those goods into the United States at a much lower cost. Now, when tariffs started to become a, an issue for middle market companies, manufacturers, and private equity investors in the United States, that disrupted, that disrupted capital completely. What we saw, especially in 2016, 2017, so this would be when uh, President Trump was elected into his first year in office, when he started to enact a much harder position on trade between those two countries, we saw a pullback from Mm -hmm. North American investors who decided, you know what, we're going to wait until we have some type of clarity around the U.S. position on trade before we go ahead and make an investment what happened was that this prolonged trade wars continued and that capital was kept aside. Well, investors have to invest. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what we started to see, this was probably the early part of 2018, is that we started to receive a lot more inbound communications from investors that were asking about other destinations Mm -hmm. for manufacturing and for outsourcing of services. These two areas in particular, Colombia has benefited from tremendously. If you look last year, they grew at about 3.5%. I think they have the capability potentially this year to grow at a much higher rate. And part of that reason is that you look at multinational organizations, companies from the United States, are are now operating in the Colombian market and are scaling up their, their staffing, their manufacturing. And I think we're only at the beginning because these investors and these companies see tremendous value, not only in um, human resources, but also the proximity of the Colombian market to the United States. Mm-hmm. If you're a textile manufacturer and you're, you're manufacturing in China, the transit times to the United States are much shorter. Mm-hmm. Same time zones provide another value-added benefit for call centers, for business process outsourcing. So you see groups like AT&T, Healthcare, that are increasing their size. So Colombia has absolutely benefited from the trade wars uh, between the US and China and Mexico. Now one story that I, I saw here um, in Brazil that I did not think was properly covered by the global financial media last year was Brazilian pension reform. What does this mean for the
0: Brazilian economy and for foreign direct investment into Brazil? So the overhaul of the Brazilian pension system was part of the country political agenda for the past 20 years at least, but it became a reality only last year. And uh, the estimate is that the government will save about $240 billion in the next 10 years, thanks to the reform. So for many investors, either from Brazil or overseas, uh, the reform was key to unlock investments. Almost everyone I spoke to last year, from private equity firms to strategic investors, entrepreneurs, executives, all of them were paying close attention to the government capacity to approve the reform. And some of these players have just started getting into action because the reform was signed in November. So I truly believe that we are gonna see an uptick in the Brazilian economy and foreign direct investment as a result of the pension reform.
1: Okay, coming off of pension reform and tax reform um, and and your take on the Brazilian economy, I'm very curious, Tiago, what what are you, looking at M&A currently in Brazil, what are some of the viable
0: opportunities, industry sectors, what's your take on it? Wonderful, so uh, yes, as I said, I truly believe that economy and uh, deal activity in Brazil is gonna pick up this year. And if I had, if I had to point key sectors for everyone to put on the radar when it comes to M and would say education, healthcare, financial services, and e-commerce. Obviously, we could add many more sectors to the list, but I think that these four sectors they must be on the list of everyone that is interested in learning about M and opportunities in Brazil. Uh, in fact, just to give an example of this huge potential, in one of the sectors, uh, e-commerce, for instance, one of the five unicorns, one of the five company, companies that actually became unicorn uh, last year in Brazil is Lagi. It's a food and products delivery website. So everything related to the internet, everything related to online shopping, is becoming very promising in Brazil. Brazil has a high level of smartphone penetration. And Brazilians just love to be connected on their smartphones, using social media, buying online. So e-commerce is very, very promising here in Brazil. So, Stephen, I know that you are a a big fan of music, and uh, I would like to recall uh, something that a Brazilian composer Tom Jobim said once. Tom Jobim is one of the musicians behind the song Girl from Ipanema. And he used to say that Brazil is not for amateurs. So what would you highlight as the biggest challenge for U.S. investors that might not have a good knowledge about the Brazilian economy when it comes to investing in our country? Well, the first thing that I want to say is that recently I've become
1: a very big fan of Portuguese hip-hop music. Don't ask me (laughs) why, but Brazilian hip-hop in Portuguese to me is great. But back to your question, I think one of the biggest challenges that U.S. investors have here is a decades-long perception, misperception of Brazil. That it is overly regulated, that it's too much of a challenge to attempt to either invest into the country, develop partnerships. Some of that is accurate. There, there are inherent risks to the to the protectionist style of, of, of the economy here. However, if you look at some of the progress that's been made really over even just the past few years, there have been these measures that the government has taken to open up the country a little bit more. You touched on one of them, um, mm-hmm. on pension reform, tax reform's coming. But another one that I thought was really impactful was the ability to, was was HR related, mm-hmm. the ability to hire and fire a little bit easier in in, in the in the market. That was a, a another reform that was largely un, largely not covered by the global financial media. But mm-hmm. I think that that's crucial for middle market investment because it allows for the the ability to. Um, take more risks employment related risks in a market like Brazil. And so I think the biggest risk or the biggest challenge for US investors is getting past this misperception mm-hmm. of of the Brazilian economy. I had one group in in northern Wisconsin who told me I will never do business in Brazil again and I said, "Well, why?" I said, "Well, our family 40 years was ne- forty years ago was not paid by a Brazilian supplier, oh, wow. and I'll never go back. And I say, well, 40 years ago, it was still a dictatorship. Mm-hmm. Like, th- th- things have yeah, changed yeah, substantially yeah. since then. It's not the same country, right? Right, exactly. It's not the same country. It's not the same <laughs> type of, of governance, even. Mm-hmm. And so I think getting past that mer- misperception is always a challenge, and that doesn't apply just to... Brazil, that applies to all of Latin America. So getting past that Mm -hmm. is is always a challenge, and I also say that one of the best ways to do that is to go there, is to have conversations with the people, service providers. You can can really
0: develop confidence by just talking to the people. Mm -hmm. Once this uh, misperception applies to uh, the whole region, would you be able to say, Would you be able to name some countries, some Latin American countries, that might be able to overcome that challenge and be more efficient when it comes to selling themselves to U.S. investors? Uh, What would be the most appealing Latin American countries for U.S. investors today? I think we're in one of them right now. Um,
1: the, The thesis that we had last year was that you could actually mitigate some of your risk by investing into three countries in Latin America. Three. Three in particular. Mm-hmm. Brazil, Chile, and Colombia. Why those three countries? Because all three of them are, are at, at very different growth cycles and have different um, inherent risks. You look at Chile, at the time, there was, there was much less risk, there was, there was stability, but there was also less opportunity. It's a more mature market. There's less opportunity to really scale growth. Colombia didn't have had, had had more risk than the Chilean market but also at the same time had had opportunities for multiples or stronger multiples of a return for investment and then you look at Brazil Brazil being just pure scale and the mm-hmm. size of the Brazilian economy while albeit potentially more risky has opportunities for, for stronger growth. So we our thesis was very simple, that mm-hmm. you could mitigate your risk by investing into all three of those countries. I'd say some of that has changed in, in, in regard to Chile in particular. Mm-hmm. We're watching that one a little bit more closely, but I think you can diversify your portfolio by investing into three
0: countries and mitigating some of that risk as opposed to just being reliant solely on, on one. That's a very good strategy. Uh, we know that it's a very small country, but what about Panama? Would you say Panama is strategic for U.S. investors, given its proximity, political ties to the U.S.? How do you
1: see it? 100% agree with that. I think the, you have a stability in Panama, dollar denominated as well, that doesn't exist in, in a lot of Latin America. Now, the challenge to the Panamanian market is really the size. Very, very small. But the, the, the GDP per capita is the highest in Latin America. It's overtaken Chile just recently. And so you have the, the infrastructure in Panama for investment. You have the connectivity to Central America, South America, the United States, trade, the Panama Canal. That is very interesting, I'd say, for a number of different businesses, financial sector, um, trade and distribution, manufacturing, using that as, as a potentially a hub or a, a holding uh, operation for your other assets in Latin America, I think is a very very smart strategy. Now, I think you know, one, one question that I had for you, uh, Tiago, is that looking at the, the past four years here in Brazil have been, have been a, a challenge. And we've seen a, a pullback, not only of, of institutional in, investment in Brazil, but also from the local families. Um, On our side, we talk to some of the families who are maybe moving their money out of Brazil um, into other Latin American countries, but also the United States. But what's happening on the ground today in Sao Paulo that that may give you and and I and and, and other investors in the region
0: hope? As you specifically use the term on the ground, let me tell you about a conversation that I had with a real estate agent earlier this month uh, so this guy has been in the real estate business for nearly 50 years, right? And uh, he's very impressed with the resurrection of the construction industry here in Sao Paulo. Uh, just to give an idea, only here in the neighborhood where we are, Villa Olimpia, and nearby Itain and Moema, there are more than 60 buildings under construction as we speak. And these include both residential and office buildings. And it's worth saying that these three neighborhoods there are few skyscrapers, and despite that, investors still have appetite for new buildings. And uh, we all know that the construction industry has a direct impact on an economy given its power to create jobs. So I believe that it might be a sign of what is to come in Brazil along 2020. I know that US investors have been boosting up their investments in Brazil's uh, real estate and construction industry, but uh, what other sectors would you Stephen, pinpoint as key for U.S. investors in Brazil? I think looking at Brazil, and not only
1: Brazil, but also Latin America Mm -hmm. as as a whole, the the sectors that I think are most interesting right now, and I'm using a lot of inbound um, conversations that we are receiving, uh, inquiries that we are receiving as Immersion, for this answer. Um, Financial services I think is, is... financial services i also think debt is very interesting as well i think it's it's ready for disruption trade finance for example Mm -hmm. um, we look at that sector as being very interesting because of the interest rates um, from the larger financial institutions Mm -hmm. in brazil colombia peru could be as high as 30 40 Mm -hmm. 60 70 percent and so that that's a that's a an industry sector paired with technology that I think is, is ready and primed for disruption and for foreign direct investment. I mentioned manufacturing earlier. Uh, I, I'm very bullish about those opportunities, especially in the Andean, also here in Brazil. Renewable energy, um, that is a, a very interesting sector that has received we've received a lot of inquiries from. Mm-hmm. Foreign investors, US, Canada, lot of inquiries in canada europe as well mm-hmm. asking for opportunities colombia peru panama costa rica chile is more of a mature renewable energy market here there's opportunities in brazil for consolidation mm-hmm. um, education you mentioned earlier i think is a, a fascinating uh, opportunity here in brazil and other countries as well real estate um, commercial residential as you described and Technologies, Financial technologies are very much needed in, in Latin America, but I also think technology in general. Um, and one of those sectors that I think is, is very interesting is artificial intelligence because it allows um, investors to, and companies to potentially leapfrog from legacy systems directly into AI. And, and recently I, I read an article about artificial intelligence in Brazil and how this country is a leader in the region – if you look at the success of a multinational Brazilian IT service provider, Stefanini comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Is this an industry sector that Brazil could export into other parts of Latin America?
0: For sure, for sure. Uh, Brazil's the biggest market, not only for AI, but technology as a whole in Latin America. Uh, just to give an idea, uh, Brazil was the third country that created the highest number of unicorns last year behind the US and China with five companies all of which are technology driven so we had the online platform for gym memberships gympass home re- home renting marketplace kinkondar food and products delivery website loggy that we have just spoken about the developer of games for cell phones wildlife and a payment software company ebanks all of them technology powered ar powered companies and as Brazil sticks out, as the re- sticks out in the region when it comes to technology, uh, it's a natural path for Brazilian tech companies to turn to other Latin American countries for expansion. So we are very likely to see Brazilian IT and software companies carrying out acquisitions in neighboring countries throughout the year. I think that's a tremendous
1: opportunity, uh, export opportunity for some of the technology companies here in Brazil. Tiago, it's been great talking to you and I hope maybe next time we can do this over caipirinhas or
0: something. <laughs> Likewise, Stephen. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Latin America m Policy Wrap. Please subscribe, like and share. If you want to know more, follow us on social media. See you next time.